Hello everybody, and welcome back to Straight Outta Cloin 2.0, with me, your host, Joseph Dylan Tarl, who probably sounds a bit exhausted at the moment, and I really am, I really am, but for all the right reasons, and I feel like, even though that wasn't meant in a certain way, that it's after coming across a certain way, to which I would say, get your minds out of the gutter. But to be fair, it's probably just because my mind goes to the gutter an awful lot, and I'm probably... Assuming everyone thinks the way that I think, which, let's be, let's be honest, that's not the case. But yeah, I'm, I'm very tired. I've had a busy week. I am recording this on Wednesday night after Manchester United have won the first leg of the League Cup semi-final 3-0 against Nottingham Forest halfway to Wembley. Oh my god, Eric Ten Hag, I could fucking kiss you, you beautiful bald man. So I'm very happy. But uh, yeah, obviously, listen, I have a hectic schedule at the moment. I think I already spoke about this a little bit last week, but I have three jiu-jitsu classes a week. I've got acting lessons every Monday, obviously working a full-time job. I've got to try and, you know, find time to record this podcast. You know, a lot of football games on at the moment, obviously trying to keep up with everything WWE-related for Celtic Combat, which I'm going to address there in a second, and also the UFC and pretty much everything else combat sport-wise as well. So there's a lot going on in my world right now. Uh, Just to quickly address Celtic Combat, I will probably do another episode kind of explaining what the future of that is. Essentially, I think I've changed my mind about it not becoming its own show because I feel like it's kind of pointless if I've I've gone to this much effort um, with the whole logo and everything to just have it be a segment show. So just watch this space when it comes to that. But... Uh, obviously, I've got uh, RCW as well next week. Bloody hell, that doesn't feel like it's a week away, but it is. A week from tomorrow at the time of release. Rebel County Wrestling's uh, next show. Uh, this is not the greatest wrestling show in the world. This is just a tribute. Obviously, the second ever RCW show, which I will be officiating. Officiating? Officiating? Whatever the word is. I will be refereeing that show. And my siblings will be going to their first ever wrestling show. And I will be refereeing it. How cool is that? A business and a, an industry that I've been such a, you know, a huge fan of my whole life. And now my two younger siblings, who have also become big fans of it get to see their brother referee their very first ever live wrestling show. And then, three days or four days after my sister's birthday in June, my two siblings get to go and see their first ever live WWE show. So that is really, really cool. And it's in the same arena that I've been going to for so many years to see WWE live events. And now my two younger siblings, Karis and Sean, will get to experience it as well. So that's very, very exciting, and I will be addressing more about RCW in the future. So uh, we'll talk a bit more about that after the show. Uh, This is going to be one of those more kind of ranty and ravey episodes. There's not really a specific topic at hand that I want to talk about. There's a couple of things that might pop into my head here and there that I probably have thought about in the last few days where I've gone, oh, maybe that's something I could mention on the show, or maybe I could do this. I I was going to do a personality test again, You know, if you've been listening to this show for long enough, you'll probably remember that I did one very early on in the life cycle of the second iteration of Straight Outta Cloin, which is the one you are listening to right now. Um, And I was going to do that again, but I feel like that would require me to have a bit more energy because I feel slightly drained at the moment, but in a very, very good way. Like, 
The only regret I have about 2022 is that I feel like towards the end, I wasn't as busy as I would have liked to have been. And that was kind of disappointing because I wanted 2022 to be a busy year overall. The first part of it was obviously very busy with college and whatnot. Um, But I felt like the second half, really after Clash at the Castle, I feel like it kind of faded away a bit. I had certain things that I wanted to do last year and uh, didn't quite... If I didn't get around to them, or if I did get around to them, I didn't quite finish them. Uh, But January so far for me is just, it's been so, so busy. And then I think about everything I have coming up. So I have obviously uh, the Rebel County Wrestling Show next week. You know, I've already spoken about my schedule on top of that with jujitsu and acting lessons. I've got uh, Bellator MMA uh, on the 25th of February. I'm then going to Manchester on the 1st of March, the day after my birthday, where hopefully United might have an FA Cup game that week, depending on whether or not they beat uh, Reading in the FA Cup on Saturday, which hopefully they will, and hopefully then they get a home draw in the FA Cup that week. Uh, Because if they do, the day I'll be in Manchester, that match will be on. Uh, Then I have London, uh, where hopefully I will be going to see the UFC. I do have my flight booked, but... uh, I'm sure those tickets are going to be in very high demand, so uh, let's hope that I can secure one of them. Uh, I've also got something else coming up in March that hopefully I might be able to talk about a little bit more soon, but I can't say too much about it right now. Um, So that's something that's quite exciting that, as I say, I I really hope I do get to share at some stage. And uh, what else have I got going on? The United Stand are doing a show in Dublin that I'll be going to as well in March. So March is just a very busy month in terms of traveling which should be uh interesting to see how that goes and i feel like i'm forgetting something obviously i have that wwe show in uh in june and i think that's everything so far and hopefully so much more to come from that so it's just a very busy time a very busy time but the mind is being occupied and that's the main thing i don't have time to stop and think about things that don't matter and that's something that uh I am very glad to say, because I've had a lot of those times where, you know, you just, you've not really got a lot going on, and then you sit down, you start overthinking, and things just become very, uh, very bleak in your own mind, but thankfully, that's not uh, the case here. Obviously, a very exciting weekend coming up for WWE fans. With the Royal Rumble, I am so buzzed for this Royal Rumble. Obviously, we're going to talk more about wrestling and MMA and stuff on Celtic Combat, but I have to talk about the Royal Rumble a little bit here. Like, this is the first Royal Rumble under Triple H's reign, so that's going to be very, very interesting. And we've got so many surprises that potentially could happen between The Rock. Obviously, we know Cody Rhodes is going to be coming back. That's been announced. You know, Zack Ryder might be making an appearance Who else might turn up? Like, that's just... That's the beauty of the Rumble. You never know what might happen. Obviously, last year's Rumble was a bit disappointing, um, to say the least. I didn't mind Brock Lesnar winning. I just thought the whole match itself was just a bit of a letdown. I mean, the two surprises were Bad Bunny, who I have a lot of respect for, but, you know, I never even heard of the man until he started getting involved with wrestling. And the other surprise was Shane McMahon who actually produced the match and put the match together to the point where he got fired because it was not uh, pleasing for the fans and not very pleasing for his boss, a.k.a. his father, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. So that says a lot about how bad last year's Royal Rumble was. Uh, I don't know if I'd say bad. I think underwhelming, I think, would probably be the best word for it. There were some fun spots, obviously, with Johnny Knoxville and... 
you know, Brock stuff was quite interesting. And uh, Drew McIntyre, I think, had a, a cool return last year. So I suppose he was a surprise as well to a certain extent, Drew. But, you know, that was... he he came back from a relatively short injury, so it wasn't that big of a surprise. Like, you just think about some of the surprises uh, that the Royal Rumble has had throughout the years. Like, my number one, and I think the number one for a lot of people, is John Cena in 2008. Like, I was 10. It was just before I... It was the month before I turned 10 when that Royal Rumble happened in Madison Square Garden. And I remember John Cena got injured that summer, I think it was. I think it was, like, July or August he got injured, or maybe it was a little bit later. No, it would have been later because he'd wrestled at SummerSlam that year against Randy Orton. So actually, I think it was actually October he got injured. Yeah, sorry, it was October he got injured. He tore his, uh, I think he tore his pec or he tore something in his shoulder. And he was suspected to be out until like two or three months after WrestleMania, which is obviously March, April. And I remember number 30, he comes out at the 2008 Royal Rumble. And this is at a time where, you know, older fans fucking hated John Cena. But even those fans lost their minds. They couldn't believe it. And I, at, you know, 10 years old, pretty much, was the biggest fucking John Cena fan in the world. And he's still one of my all-time favorites, one of my heroes, follows me on Twitter. Um, You know, he's just... I, I genuinely think there is an argument to be made that John Cena is the greatest of all time in terms of WWE. I think it's... For me, it's between him and The Undertaker. I think, obviously, Austin is up there, Hogan, The Rock... Triple H, Shawn Michaels, you know, the, uh, Ric Flair, that there's a lot of people who you can make the argument for, but I think Cena, to do it for as long as he did it, like, he was the top guy for 15 plus years, and even now as a part-timer, he's still one of, if not the most over person when he makes an appearance. Like, the only person who had that type of similarity in terms of, you know, they could come back and instantly be the most over person no matter how long they were gone for was Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I, I should say is Stone Cold Steve Austin because, you know, he still appears here and there. But Austin, for as successful as his run was at the top, it was quite short. You know, he became the top guy in around 97, 98, and he was retired by 2003. And obviously a lot of that was down to injuries, but I think that just goes to show the level of commitment John Cena gave to being the top guy in WWE and never mind what he's done in the ring and you know people want to say oh wrestling's fake the in-ring achievements don't matter when a wrestling company is making you especially the biggest wrestling company in the world is making you the face of the promotion to the point where they won't turn you heel for you non-wrestling fans that means turn you into a villain he always stayed a good guy after you know his original heel run in 2003 Um, they won't turn you heel because there's that risk that you know certain merchandise sales might go down. It's It just goes to show like the level of trust they had in John Cena. And the fact he has been able to stay relevant for this long is incredible. And obviously he's been making the transition over to Hollywood in recent years. He's doing really well there, which is not a surprise because he's a great performer. And I personally think John Cena is actually a better actor than The Rock. But I love The Rock, so, you know, don't get that twisted. But I think Cena... I think Cena is a better character actor than The Rock is. I think The Rock is great at playing The Rock. And listen, if I could just play myself in every movie and make the money that The Rock does, I would do it too. But I think John Cena has a wider range of characters he can play. Now, The Rock does to a certain extent. I think The Rock, you know... I remember uh, there was, a, a like, a meme before it was like... Dwayne The Rock Johnson starring in Samoan Cop who is tough and sometimes funny. That's pretty much every film he's ever been in. But I think, you know, there's certain films where he plays a more serious role. There's other ones where he plays a more comedic uh, role. 
And, you know, he has a good balance in terms of what he can do. But I think it's... I, I just think John Cena can do even more. And I think that, uh, you know, when he's 100% completely done with wrestling, um, I, I, I think that he's going to have a very successful time in Hollywood. And he already has. You know, Dave Bautista is another one. You know, so many wrestlers have transitioned over to Hollywood. And I remember someone said to me recently... Because I was on about CM Punk, who's obviously done a bit of acting. And I think CM Punk is actually a pretty decent actor from what I've seen. Like, he's not been anything too, like, major. He's definitely only been in B-movies so far. But CM Punk, he's a better actor than he is a mixed martial artist. Let's just say that. But, you know, that wouldn't be very hard. Uh, no offense, Punk. I love you. But, uh, you know, he, he's a decent actor. You know, he's I actually go as far as to say he's a very good actor. And I think that he hopefully, eventually, might get a big role. I think that would be pretty cool for him. Uh, obviously, it doesn't have the same physique as a Rock, um, a Cena, or a Batista, but I think that there's potential there for CM Punk to do quite well in, in Hollywood. Uh, but I said something about CM Punk being a very good actor, and I remember someone said to me, but sure, wouldn't he have to be if he was in WWE? And this is coming from the biggest WWE fan in the world. You know, nobody take offense to the statement, but some of the acting is not exactly up to par. Like, it's so funny. The reason I originally took an interest in acting was I thought it would help me perform better as a wrestling character but then I just kind of ended up falling in love with acting and I kind of you know do a lot more of that now than I do any wrestling stuff in terms of actually physically performing in it you know I referee shows every couple of months but that's kind of it and I you know I've, I've had a great time doing it but uh yeah no you don't have to be a great actor to be in WWE I think one of the main examples and it's going to pain me to say it a little bit is Finn Balor I fucking love Finn Balor I think he's a great in-ring performer and he's obviously done so much for the Irish scene. He's one of the, you know, OGs of the Irish scene in terms of, you know, opening up the first wrestling school up in Bray. First Irish wrestling school with Paul Tracy and, you know, so many great wrestlers have come out of that. And uh, it, it's really, uh, the Irish scene has come on leaps and bounds since then. And he's obviously a lot to thank for that. Finn Balor, real name, Fergal Devitt. But uh, he could do with a few acting lessons, in my opinion. But listen, he's making a lot more money than I am at the moment in terms of, you know in terms of his performance uh, ability. So, who am I to judge? But it's just an observation. But I love you, Finn. You are more than welcome to come on here and have a chat with me about all things wrestling, if you want. I know that you're mates at Ross Brown, who doesn't live too far away from me. So what do you say, Finn? Let's get together and let's do it. But, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, I've gone off on an awful tangent there. That's all the stuff that um, we can look forward to this weekend in terms of the Royal Rumble. What other great Rumble returns were there? Well, obviously, there's a great debut, AJ Styles in 2016. That was a really cool moment. I know it had been rumoured for a while leading up to it, but there was always that kind of feeling that uh, WWE have teased it a little bit now. Are they only kind of leaning into the fan, you know... Um, Spec there was a lot of uh, speculation. Are they, are they leaning into that a bit to get people's hopes up? But nope, uh, AJ Styles uh, obviously debuted for WWE in the 2016 Royal Rumble and had a pretty good performance in it. Edge obviously returning in 2020. That was a markout moment. Uh, one of my, just speaking of markout moments, one of my favorite Royal Rumble returns, and it's a bit of an, uh, an underrated one, I think, is Booker T in 2011. I thought that was a pretty cool one. Uh, what other good ones have we had? Rob Van Dam in 2009 was cool. Um. Yeah, there's there's been some really good ones over the years. Bubba Ray Dudley, I thought in 2015 was was a pretty cool one too. There's uh there's so many, so many. Rey Mysterio in 2018. I'm I'm just naming off all the ones I can think of now. And uh, yeah, uh, very very excited. I I firmly believe that anybody can watch the Royal Rumble match, wrestling fan or not, and get enjoyment out of it. I think it's there's just so much happening in it and. You know, if if you've at least watched wrestling once or twice, there'll there'll be a few names you can recognize in there, and uh, 
Who knows? It might make a fan out of you. You never know. Uh, in other news in the combat world, obviously Jamal Hill defeated Glover Teixeira. This has just turned into a Celtic combat episode, but fuck it. I thought that show would be up and running now. I've had a few issues in the background with it, just in terms of setting up the logo and stuff, as you all know. So fuck it, I'm going to get my combat spiel out here. But Jamal Hill obviously defeated Glover Teixeira for the uh, vacant light heavyweight title, which was a... Uh, a great fight, Glover Teixeira obviously, uh, you know, laid the gloves in the middle of the octagon afterwards and confirmed his retirement, unfortunately, in front of an empty crowd. I was disappointed with the Brazilian audience, I thought that they uh, were not as respectful as they would, you know, not as one would expect them to be, um, you know, especially the way they treated, you know, Brandon Moreno after he defeated uh, Davison Figueiredo. Uh, um, I thought that was quite disappointing, and, you know, Glover, I think, deserved a better send-off, and I thought Jamal... Hill, you know, put in such a good performance that I thought, you know, Brazilian fans would be able to appreciate that. But look, it is what it is. Um, th- I thought the card overall was really, really good. Johnny Walker, obviously a Brazilian fighter based out of Dublin with SBG Ireland, uh, defeated Paul Craig from Scotland in a very good light heavyweight fight. The light heavyweight division at the moment is really, really good. And obviously I'm hoping my boy Anthony Smith from the BYM podcast. Big shout out to Lionheart Anthony Smith and Michael Bisping. Best MMA podcast out there. Uh, no offense to Ariel Hawani with the MMA Hour, but that's that's more of a that's more of a a chat show than it is a podcast. But you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, I would love to see Anthony Smith get the next title shot. Uh, obviously, depending on how Yuri Prohashka recovers from his injury. But uh, yeah, obviously, you know, UFC uh, 286 is coming up in London, which I will hopefully be there in attendance for in the O2. Uh, John Jones obviously will be fighting Cyril Gann only two weeks before that. There's so much happening. So much happening. We've obviously got um the... Oh, my God. What are the fights we've got? Derek Lewis is fighting next weekend. And I feel like there's something I'm forgetting. And I guarantee it's really obvious. Of course! Of course! Alexander Volkanovsky taking on Islam Mahashev in a... I was going to say in a double championship fight. But obviously not both belts are on the line. But obviously Volkanovsky stepping up a division and taking on Islam, which promises to be... One of the early contenders for fight of the year. Like Volkanovski and Ortega from UFC 266, I want to say. I always get the... It's the recent shows that I can't think of the fucking numbers of. But that 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 fight, um, coming off the back of the return of the Ultimate Fighter, was absolutely in fucking sane. And to this day, I will still say... It is the best fight I've seen live. I mean, uh, Ortega's entrance with the whole purge thing and Volkanovski coming out to land down under, obviously being a native of Australia, was was absolutely insane. And they just went on to have this phenomenal fight. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, If you haven't seen it, I would definitely recommend checking it out. So I'm really looking forward to this. And a lot of people are not backing Volkanovski, but uh, I have a feeling he's going to get the job done. I really hope he does. I really, really hope he does. And it's nothing against Islam. I think he's a great fighter. Um, you know, I think sometimes people have gotten a little bit carried away with his star power. I think Dana White said he could potentially be the next Conor McGregor. There won't be a next Conor McGregor. There will be a huge star to come out of the UFC again. I, I firmly believe that. You know, there's, there always has been, whether it was, you know, back in the day, Chuck Liddell or Tito Ortiz or Ken Shamrock. And then later on, you had GSP and and, and Brock and, and Ronda. And, you know, obviously Conor McGregor would come in and just take it to a whole new level. But like, you know, like that, I suppose that's been kind of the, the thing when it comes to someone like Paddy Pimblett. He's obviously a big star already. And, you know, I think he will be 
one of the top guys, if not the top guy in the UFC uh, as the years go on, depending on, you know, if, if he can stay disciplined and not, you know, get into beef with Ariel Hawani, because uh, as Ariel has proved in recent times, he's going to 10-7 the fucking shit out of you if you try and talk shit about that man. So that's not something I think that Paddy should be doing uh, anymore. But, uh, or, you know, asking to get paid for interviews. Like, come on. Um, although, having said that, Paddy, I will give you a fiver if you want to come on straight out of Klein, have an old chat. Chat and pony, as you would say, in Liverpool. And I think we could have... Uh, I think I would rather talk to him now with how bad Liverpool are doing and how well United are doing. Isn't it funny that... Weghorst scored his first goal for United before Gakpo scored his first goal for Liverpool. Ha ha ha! Have that, you fucking scousers. No offence to you. But, uh, yeah. Uh, but, as, to get back onto the original point, Paddy Pimblett is uh, definitely you know a huge star, no doubt about that. Has a big fan base. And I like Paddy Pimblett. Um, you know, I do like him a lot. The Jarrah Gordon fight, let's be honest, it was a dodgy decision. The fact that he said it was never close, like... Bit of delusion there, but, you know, hopefully he recovers from that. It's a shame he won't be fighting in London. He will be going for ankle surgery, uh, which is kind of weird that he's left it until March, right around the time the UFC uh, uh, the UFC 286 in London is happening. So that's just interesting timing. And I know he said in the past that he feels like he's outgrown the O2, which I think is a ridiculous thing to say. I think it's not so much... I get what he meant. Like, he's fought in the O2 twice now. Obviously, they were both fight nights. They weren't pay-per-views. And, you know, maybe he's just like, oh, he wants to experience, you know, T-Mobile or Madison Square Garden or, you know, whatever. Like, I get that. Don't get me wrong. But to say that you've outgrown the O2, like, come on, lad. You know, that's the the biggest arena in the UK in terms of, you know, where where the UFC can hold their pay-per-views and their shows. Like, don't don't say you've outgrown it. Come on. Come on. Let, 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 let's not talk silly. Um, about stuff like that. But yeah, listen, I get what he meant. It was probably just a case of, you know, I fought there twice in a row, let me fight somewhere else for a bit and we can revisit the O2 down the line. That's fair enough, but I, I thought he could have phrased it better is what I'm trying to say. But there won't be another Conor McGregor. Like, that, that um, you know, hype and buzz which has taken the sport to levels that I don't think the sport ever thought it would see and especially, you know, the organisation of the UFC in general. Um... Or in specific, I should say. I just don't think anyone ever thought it would ever get to that level. Obviously, Brock took it to a new level. Randy Couture and, and Tito Ortiz and, and Chuck Liddell obviously did that as well. Anderson Silva, Michael Bisping. You know, a lot of guys helped, you know, grow. And Ken Shamrock, obviously, as well. Uh, they, they helped grow the, the sport and the organization to get to a very strong and healthy point. But what Connor was able to do is just insane. Like, he brought the UFC into the mainstream. To the annoyance of me in terms of, like, the fact that I loved... I, I, a lifelong, I say lifelong. I've been watching MMA longer than most people have. Like, my entry into becoming a mixed martial arts fan was obviously Brock Lesnar when he made the jump from the squared circle to the octagon. And one thing I loved about UFC was that it was something that I was interested in. And that, like, a lot of people who were my age didn't know about and then when Connor came along and you had all these fucking gal lads acting like they were huge MMA fans. But I remember one guy, I've told, there's one story I've told a million times, but there's another story about a guy who actually lives relatively close to me. So I hope he doesn't listen to the show. But in a way, I kind of hope he does because this was a stupid statement. But, you know, he was claiming to be a big MMA fan and whatever. And I started talking about Michael Bisping. And this was in 2014. So Bisping had been around a while at this stage. He'd been around eight years this was two years before he won the title. And I remember this guy going, oh, who's that? 
And I was like, you're calling yourself an MMA fan and you don't know who fucking Michael Bisping is. You absolute fucking melt. And I mean, these people couldn't tell the difference between George St. Pierre and Matthews. You know what I mean? Like, th- like these are people who, they knew who Conor McGregor was and they probably knew who he was fighting. Or at least knew the name of who he was fighting. But they hadn't a clue about the sport. And listen, we all start somewhere. My problem isn't with people who got into UFC because of Conor McGregor. My problem was people who at the time acted like they were such huge MMA fans. But really they were Conor McGregor fans. But they, w- they would talk down to people who'd been watching the sport for so much longer than they had. And like the other famous story which I've told. I haven't told this for a while. But you know, I, I have told it a few times. Was my friend, and I will name drop him, Stephen. Who came up to me one day and was like, uh, here Dylan, I didn't realise that uh, Batista did UFC before. And I was like, uh, Batista never fought in the UFC, Steve. And he was like, no, 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 he, he did. I, I watched a fight that he had on YouTube yesterday. And I was like, yeah, Batista did have an MMA fight, but it wasn't in the UFC. And Stephen responded with, what's MMA? He didn't know. That mixed martial arts, often shortened to MMA, or abbreviated to MMA, was the name of the sport. So I said this to Stephen, that's the name of the sport. Mixed martial arts, UFC is the name of the biggest organisation in the sport. But the sport itself is called mixed martial arts. And then Stephen said, I hate when these lads think just because they do fake fighting they can do the real stuff. And I responded with, well I hate when people like you... Call yourself a UFC fan. And then you don't even realise until now. When a wrestling fan tells you that. Mixed martial arts is the name of the sport. And also. Batista won his fight. It's not like he went in and lost. He won that fight. He hasn't fought since. But Batista. Technically has a 100% record in mixed martial arts. And there's loads of pro wrestlers who have done mixed martial arts. Has there been mixed results? Yes. Obviously, we've had Brock Lesnar, who became UFC heavyweight champion and beat the likes of Frank Mir, Randy Couture, Shane Carwin, the first ever person to uh, beat Shane Carwin, by the way. And, you know, again, took the sport to a whole new level and and, and, uh, brought in a lot of uh, fandom from his, you know, WWE fame. Uh, Obviously, we've had the bad side as well, but, you know, people like CM Punk, who didn't exactly reach the heights that Brock did. Ken Shamrock, obviously. You know, one of the pioneers of of early UFC and, and mixed martial arts and obviously fought in Pancras as well and Bellator in, in his later days. Um, you know, who else has fought? Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, you know, if you want to talk more modern, has had four or, f- no, five MMA fights. Three wins, one loss, one no contest. Not a bad record out of five fights. Uh, Bobby Lashley, 15-2. and two, Obviously former NCAA wrestler and very nearly wrestled in the Olympics back in 2004. You know, with a pretty decent MMA record himself. Jake Hager is currently undefeated. I think he's 4-0 or 3-0. He's fought for Bellator. And I think... I'm sure all his fights have been for Bellator. Uh, So, you know, he's obviously done really well. And yeah, I know a lot of these guys have amateur backgrounds in terms of, you know, grappling. Or, you know, maybe some of them have done a level of kickboxing. But still, like, there's a lot of wrestlers who are, you know, capable fighters. Like, there's obviously a lot of wrestlers pro wrestlers, that is, who I would have loved to have seen compete in MMA. Obviously, the main one and the obvious one is Kurt Angle. Like, if the if there's one guy who didn't get to transition from wrestling to MMA that I wish did at one point in his career, it's Kurt Angle. Now, obviously, Kurt has gone on record to say because of his neck and stuff that it probably wouldn't have gone as well as he would have hoped, but I think that uh, 
if he'd gotten into it, maybe... I, I disagree with Cart in the sense that he said in 2006 it probably wouldn't have gone as well. And to be fair, yeah, he'd had a lot of neck issues up to that point. Obviously famously broken in the Olympics in uh, 2000, or 2006, in 1996. And then by the time he left WWE in 2006, I think he'd broken it three more times. Now, when I say break, uh, a lot of it was um, vertebrae damage. It wasn't, you know, disc damage. Some of it was, but not all of it was. Um, so, you know, obviously his strength and his arms mightn't have been as great, but I do think that, uh, he, I think he would have done all right, but obviously a prime Kurt Angle in MMA would have kicked fucking ass, but hey ho, um, you know, that unfortunately has to be left to the imagination, and it's funny, because he nearly signed for the UFC in 2006, uh, that would have been two years before Brock did, and obviously, you know, a year before Brock even started in MMA, um, so that would have been interesting. Uh, but I think the reason he didn't, actually, in fact, I know the reason he didn't end up signing was because he had just signed with TNA and everything was confirmed. And he asked Dana White that if he signed for the UFC, could he still honor his TNA contract? And Dana White said, you can't do both. You can only do one or the other, uh, which was probably a fair assessment from Dana and Kurt because he'd already signed with TNA for, you know, a very reasonable amount of money, to say the least. Uh, I, I think he made the right choice. I really do, because I think that, uh, you know, he went on to have some great matches in TNA, and, uh, yeah, I think money-wise, he definitely would was going to make more in TNA in the long run than the UFC uh, in relation to his health. But, yeah, uh, that's kind of all the combat stuff covered right now. Um, this is going to be a very weird uh, shift in pace, but there's there's a story that has come out um, in Cork that I'm sure a lot of you have heard about, because obviously this podcast does come straight out of Cloyne, and Cloyne is based in East County Cork, which I'm uh, obviously very happy with, because East Cork, I think, is a very nice area to live in. But uh, unfortunately, in uh, Cork City, there's been a horrible incident um, in the Mercy Hospital, which is something that I just feel like I have to talk about a little bit. And obviously, as I said, this is a very extreme change of conversation from you know, WWE and UFC into, you know, kind of, I was going to say real life, but you know what I mean, into a more, um, into a not as fun topic, let's just say. So I'm sure some of you have heard that there was a horrible incident in the Mercy Hospital where a 30-year-old man brutally murdered an 89-year-old man. Um, I am trying not to name names because... You know, uh, do, do I? Okay, so yeah, I'm fucking, I'll say it. Look, whatever. I Listen, it's my show. I can say what the fuck I want. The name of the murderer was Dylan McGee. And I believe the name of the deceased. And this is why I feel bad. Because I actually have to Google what the name of, of the man who got killed was. The, the, the innocent man, 89 years old, who had only lost his wife three weeks before. Like, I can't believe that, you know, his name is, is the one that's getting forgotten. Matthew Healy. My apologies. So the 30-year-old Dylan McGee who was known to police, uh, had a very, very notable criminal record, murdered an 89-year-old man in cold blood. From what I've heard, it was due to him not liking... Uh, it, it was a noise complaint from the murderer's point of view. Um, so I, I think the, the thing that is, that's, you know, that I've heard in passing is that Matthew Healy, the 89-year-old man, was asleep and was probably snoring. And listen, you know, that's a natural thing to do when you're asleep and some people snore louder than others and it's not always the you know the most convenient thing to be around but like get the fuck over it um but this led to 
the brutal murder that happened in the hospital. And I just, this is something I don't fucking get. And this might get a little bit personal here, but fuck it. Like, I, I think this this needs to be said. Like, the the system we have here in this country when it comes to, you know, uh, mentally ill patients and, you know, not having enough rooms for them and, and the way that uh, things are laid out for people with mental illness, I think is absolutely shocking. I think it is a disgrace. And I'm not ashamed to say this, right? Back in late 2018, I spent some time in St. Michael's Hospital. I've kind of touched on it briefly uh, in the past, but like I spent, uh, not like a long time, I was there for like maybe four days, but it was a long fucking four days, let me tell you that. But um, it was something that, I was just at a point in my life where I needed to spend some time in that hospital. And that's a hospital for those of you that you know, if you're not from Cork, if you're not from Ireland, it's it's a it's a mental ward. Uh, thankfully, I wasn't someone who had to stay there until I was, you know, given permission to leave. It was just it was suggested that I stayed there for a few days while I got some things sorted. It's just you know, sometimes in life you, you hit those points, and and that was that was my point in life where where um where I had to do something uh, like that. And I mean, some of the people who like were in my section, let's just say, you know, because obviously there's so many different rooms, like. It wouldn't make you feel any better. Like I like it was it was a very low point anyway, the fact that I had to be in that building. But like when you were looking around at some of the people in there and kinda of going, like, okay, like things aren't great for me at the moment, but Christ, some of these people, like, they ain't getting out of here anytime soon. And they ain't here voluntarily. They're here because they have to be here. And, you know, they might be uh a danger to others. Like, I remember one guy, and he was an absolute fucking scumbag. And it's not even that I'm not mentioning his name out of fear. I genuinely just can't remember what his name was. But, like, again, this is a thing where I'm not going to mention a name. So, there was an incident in Cloyne. I don't know. I actually don't even know if it was in Cloyne. But there was a person from Cloyne who murdered someone else. And this guy asked where I was from. And I just, I just said Cloyne. And he was like, oh, do you know this person? And it was the guy who had murdered someone previously from Cloyne. And I was like, I don't know him, but I know the name. And he's like, oh, I'd be good friends now with him. And I remember saying it to one of the, the staff members in there. I don't want to be anywhere fucking near him. But they were looking at me the same way they looked at that guy, who was friends with a fucking murderer. And it just baffles me that people of a certain mental state are being put in with patients who, you know, like... I'm sure that 89-year-old man, you know, at 89, your mind is not going to be the same way it was when you were 29 or 39. But that's more just because of the natural progression of, you know, aging. Whereas this Dylan McGee prick, obviously, is not, you know, exactly in the most mentally sound uh, state he could be in. Because of a lot of the choices he's made. And I've no doubt that he had a rough upbringing, but I still don't think that excuses going on to do something like, you know, the thing that he did. And they just, it like, I mean, Andrew McGinley uh, put up a post the other day. If you're not familiar with Andrew McGinley, he is the father of three kids, Connor, Dara, and Carla, who were very sadly um, taken away from him back in January of 2020. It was actually their third anniversary uh, a few days ago. Actually, yesterday, I think, at the time of recording. And they were killed by their mother. And he said something that was so true that his three kids would still be here now if the people 
in charge of mental health services, had listened to Una Butler, who only lives out the road from me in Ballycotton, uh, another woman who lost two of her kids um, when their father uh, committed a murder-suicide back in late 2010. But, like, Ireland is so far behind when it comes to these services. And listen, I think there's a lot of people who are experts or claim to be experts on mental health. I'm not saying I'm one of them. That's one thing I'm not. I, I don't think anyone... Uh, can can sit and you know diagnose themselves as an expert on mental health. I think you only know what's in your own head, and you know you can't you can't really predict or, um, you know, you can't uh, really imagine what goes through what what goes through uh, other people's heads. But I I don't get how like an old man can be put into a room with a known criminal who had a history of violence and 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 it not be watched more closely than it was like i don't think they should be excuse me in the same room anyway but like if they are going to be you need high security there and it's fucking ridiculous like i remember my granddad when he was in hospital in 2016 the year before he died like i wasn't there when this happened but i think it was my mother my stepdad my nan and i think my auntie and uncle were talking to uh obviously you know they're visiting visiting my granddad talking to him and this, another fucking nutter. And like, you know, people will say, oh, you can't say words like that. I fucking will, right? I don't care. I'll, I'll call him a nutter because that's what he fucking is. Started going up and saying like, th- threatening violence, essentially. And like, the staff were terrified of him. Like, the staff weren't going to step in. They just told everyone to stay still and don't, you know. He was he, he was spitting at my dad and everything. My stepdad, I should say. He was spitting at him, like, and, and you know, taunting him, trying to get a reaction. And they rang the guards and, you know, the guards had to, like, fucking you know, talk him down and whatnot. But, like, how are these people being let into the same room as, you know, patients who aren't there by choice? Like, you know, my granddad, who was old and had Parkinson's and, you know, was very, very ill. But not because he was a scumbag and was, you know, getting him with the wrong crowd. It was he had a you know, very bad illness. It just doesn't make any fucking sense to me. And, and then, like, when, when you, on top of all this... You have so many people who have worked in, you know, the medical industry in Ireland who are treated horribly. Like, obviously, there's the whole thing with the nurses. Like, one of my best friends, Ashley, she left Ireland to go to the UK originally to continue her um, progression to becoming a nurse because she knew she wouldn't get as many good opportunities in Ireland and wouldn't get paid the money that she would deserve to get paid if she stayed here. So she moved to the UK. She's now in Canada, continuing her education and and working in the same industry, but in an an environment that's so much better run than our own one. And listen, the Canadian uh, medical services aren't perfect, but they're looked after a lot better than Ireland's uh, mental health and medical services are. And I, I just, I don't get it. I think it's an absolute fucking disgrace. And, you know, an 89 year old man had to meet such a brutal end to his life for for no reason. All because they couldn't control a fucking scumbag who should have been nowhere near the same, excuse me, the same room as that man. So yeah, a bit of a heavier subject there, but I just I I needed to talk about it because it was actually it's just it's one of those stories you look at and it just makes you so fucking angry. It really does. And uh Oh, I just I can't imagine. Like imagine hearing that news. Like like that was someone's granddad or someone's father. Or someone's granduncle, or you know, someone's friend. Imagine having to hear that, like that's how they had to go. 
It's absolutely disgraceful. And and like Ireland, you know, we like I work in in a in a job where I talk to a lot of people outside of Ireland. And you know, when you mention you're from here, you know, people get very excited and whatnot. And and listen, you know, I I can understand that. Like the grass always seems greener on the other side, but I I still feel like this country is so far behind in so many ways. And I think that's why, you know, recently when I came on here and I started talking about the whole gender debate and, you know, this whole um, ideology of, you know, you can choose whatever gender you want to be or or whatever. Like, the reason I, I suppose I speak so strongly on it is because, for me, that's just people creating issues that aren't there. Um, and, like, you know, not to, not to go down that rabbit hole again, but I, I feel like, uh, you know, a lot of those people aren't exactly of... Like, I've never met someone who says that they uh, identify as non-binary or whatever, who, <clears throat> excuse me, is of sound mind. Like, they all seem to have, you know, mental health issues one way or another. Just saying. Like, you know, you're going to tell me I'm wrong? That That's all That's all I'll say there. And, and I think that there's a, a level of... Uh, and I'm not just saying this for, like, people who say they're non-binary. I think this is something that's quite common amongst... A lot of people, no matter what your belief system is, is glorifying um, some, you know, mental health disorders. Like, I've got borderline personality disorder, but there was a time in my life where I did probably speak about that way too much. And it's not for me, I'm not saying that you can't talk about stuff like that, but I was kind of, uh, I was in a very low point in my life and I felt like I was kind of hiding behind the diagnosis in a lot of ways, if that makes sense. But you get a lot of people who kind of glorify things like depression or, or bipolar or, you know, borderline or um, schizophrenia, God, like, you know, whatever mental illness you can think of. And it's almost made to go like, oh, like, it's it's cool to have these disorders. No, it's not. And you get a lot of people then who self-diagnose, which which isn't, uh, obviously isn't great. Um, and like, you know, like to, to kind of go back onto the topic of, um, you know, obviously, you know, I mentioned that I'd been in St. Michael's and stuff. Like, I felt like St. Michael's was, yeah, like, you know, I was in there only for a few days and whatnot. But the services I was given at the time to try and help me combat, um, you know, whatever was going on with me at that time, I just thought it was so bad. It was piss poor. Piss poor. Like, I know there was some event on recently that was raising money for um, a little... Uh, just, you know, a hospital in East Cork. When I say a hospital, I don't mean, like, you know... I don't mean the big one with like different wards and stuff. It's it's essentially you know it's um I, I can't think of what the fuck um, English isn't happening for me at the moment. It it's a place essentially where you know you go and talk to a counselor and, and stuff like that. It's not really a hospital that you physically stay in, um or at least you know not a lot of people would. It's kind of more older people that would stay there, but there are counselors there. And I honestly just thought it was piss poor. I'm not going to name the actual hospital itself, but all I'll say is that it's in East Cork. And I, I found, I just found it no benefit. I, I went there for at least two years and it was absolutely just zero benefit. And I ended up telling them that. And I, you know, I I think 2019 was my last ever appointment in there. And I remember just going, yeah, no, no, I'm done. Like, this isn't making me any happier. This isn't making me any better. You know, I feel like that uh, I may as well be talking to the wall at this stage. And the only thing that really, really worked for me was the BetterHelp app. BetterHelp, which is like, you know, a million and one podcasts are sponsored by. Not this one, unfortunately, but who knows, maybe one day. And I had an American counsellor who I spoke to for four months, I think it was, roughly. And I got so much more out of that than I did in two years of going to a 
um, hospital that's like 15 minutes out the road from me. And if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about the services here, I don't know what will. And I think that's where we're going to end that very heavy topic. Wow. Um, this I, I, I said at the start, this was going to be a more ranty and ravey episode and there was going to be a lot of uh, heavy... Not I didn't say there was going to be a lot of heavy topics, but there was going to be a lot of things that would just come into my head that uh, I was like, oh, you, you know, during the week, I was kind of thinking maybe this is something I could talk about, maybe I could talk about this. And that was one of them. And I just think it's so sad, so tragic, and... I just think things like that need to be called out. I'm trying to think of any other news. I want to end on a more light note. I want to end on something a bit happier. Uh, well, if you're a Manchester United fan, you better be fucking happy because we're halfway to Wembley. 3-0 against Forest. I know a Derby County fan who will also be very happy with that result because, obviously, Derby County don't like Nottingham Forest. So, you're welcome, Derby. We're stopping them from winning a trophy. Um, yeah, I, I really don't know. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Is there a happier topic to end on? I think the fact that the days, or excuse me, the evenings are getting a little bit brighter. I think January can be such a depressing month for a lot of people because, you know, it's just after Christmas, you know, the holiday season is over and, <clears throat> you know, you're back to normality and uh, it's still very dark in the evenings. It's still quite cold and everything kind of feels like, oh, you know, here we are starting again. And it can be a, it can be a challenging time for some people, but I think you know we've I've noticed in recent times, and even when I was leaving the office today at work, uh, you know it's a, it's a bit brighter in the evenings, and that's only going to get brighter as the months go on. And before you know it, it'll be summer. Like that's the thing about like when you get to a certain age, like time just flies. Like January has gone relatively quick, and I've had a this is the busiest January I have ever had in my life. And I don't think anything even comes close. Because even last year when I was in college, the first two weeks of January, I was sick. I had COVID and even the after effect of COVID wasn't great either. So I actually ended up kind of only having a half January because most of my time was spent in fucking bed. Because I was absolutely fucking just bed out of it with uh, with COVID. And this year, like, it's just been, like... I think Sundays are the only days where I feel like, Jesus Christ, I can finally relax. But even then, on Sundays, I'm going over the script that I'm learning for my acting lessons. So there's never really a day where I've got nothing on. But that is not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And if you get that reference, I love you. Um, Yeah, there's there's so much coming up. And, and I hope to the people who are listening to this episode right now and who have listened to this show you know, in recent times, or if you know, if you've been listening to the start, <coughs> listening since the start, I feel like I'm losing my voice at the moment. Oh my god! Right at the end of the show as well. Absolutely typical. But um, I, I hope that uh, I hope you've set goals to chase throughout the year. And I think something that's very important when you, you know, if you are someone who prefers to call them New Year's resolutions, I personally don't. I I just like to call them just goals because I feel like when you say New Year's resolution, you feel like okay, I want to do this thing and it has to start and complete within these next 12 months. No, like, for example, like with jiu-jitsu, I would love to compete in a jiu-jitsu tournament sometime this year. But that might not happen this year. It depends on how the training goes, if I can stay injury-free, if I feel like I've, I've developed enough that, you know, I, f- I would feel confident in competing against someone. Like, that might take more than a year. But that's fine. The groundwork has started already. And that's a very key point that people need to have in their mentality when chasing these goals, is that 
It doesn't expire on December 31st, 2023 in this case. It continues on January 1st, 2024. It just does. You know? Like, I I think that was something I struggled with for a long time when I set out goals, was that it has to happen within these next 12 months. Like, the only thing that I think I really set out to happen at the start of a year that ended up happening was the goal I set for myself in 2020 where I said I wanted to be on at least one pro wrestling show by the time the year was out. And even amidst a global pandemic where all events were shut down for a certain amount of time, I still got to achieve that, which was great. Um, I I don't know. I think it was just destined to happen that year. It it just was. But that's not always going to be the case with certain goals. And that's why you got to keep fucking chasing them. Like, if you get to a stage where you feel like, look, I feel like I don't want this as much as maybe I thought I did and I, I want to chase something else, that's fine too. But make sure that when you get to that point, you feel like you've done everything you can. And I think with that, I'm going to leave it with John Kavanagh's famous line, you either win or you learn. Just such a great mentality to have. A great book as well. If you haven't read it, you should read it. And that's where I'm going to leave it, lads. So thank you so much for uh, listening to this very heavy and quite diverse episode of Straight Outta Clawing 2.0. But I'm going to end it the way I always end it, with a classic wrestling promo. Cannot fucking wait for the Royal Rumble tomorrow. So much coming up in the world of Joseph Dylan Terrell. And until next week, have a good one. Talk to you all later. I'm the executive vice president. inducted into WWE Hall of Fame the night before WrestleMania 28, and here he is with us tonight. I'm not supposed to be here tonight. As a matter of fact, in a couple of days, I'm not even on contract here anymore. I came, I came to talk to you. I could have done it privately, I could have, but it's going to have much more effect out here because I did not come to talk to this John Cena. I don't even know who the hell this John Cena is. I came to talk to the John Cena who is my greatest rival ever in this industry. 
I came to talk to the John Cena who, who when I slapped his dad, he walked into my hometown in Toronto in my match, a TLC match, and beat me for the WWE Championship by chucking me through two tables off a ladder. What the John Cena who beat the hell out of me and chucked me in the Long Island Sound. This is not that John Cena. And I, I don't know where he went. I don't, I don't know if it was the loss to The Rock. I don't know if that was it. I know guys change after big losses. I get it. Andre after Hogan. Brett after the screw job. Hell, The Rock after he got beat by Brock Lesnar. It took him eight years to find his mojo. But what you don't understand is that you can't lose. You have to find that John Cena. No, don't, don't put your hands up in the air. You listen to me. You see, because with all of our differences, John, we're polar opposites. I get that, but there's one similarity that we always had, and that's how much we love this. More than anything else, all you and I wanted to do was this. From the time we were kids, this was it. Me in Toronto, you in West Newberry, Mass. This was it. You think this was it for Brock Lesnar? You think Brock Lesnar gives a damn about this? You think Brock Lesnar gives a damn about any of them? He only gives a damn about them if they can lie in his pockets. He left for eight years while you and I carried the load. So I tell you what, John, you need to wake up. Because if you don't, it's a slap in the face to guys who love this industry like Shawn Michaels. It's a slap in the face to The Undertaker. It's a slap in the face to me. Wake up! I'm not asking you to beat Brock Lesnar. I'm telling you to.